The Fake Show podcast welcomes our newest sponsor, the Craft House Brewery in Henderson, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas, Mr. Antenna, and Brew City Brand. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Welcome to this special Oscars edition of The Fake Show. I've got a couple of guests. Later, we'll be talking to one of my favorite film reviewers, Gray Drake, formerly of Rotten Tomatoes. Gray and I will compare notes and picks regarding this Sunday's top nominees at the Oscars. But first, it's the legendary celebrity chef Wolfgang Puck with 17 fine dining establishments nationwide now, including his flagship Beverly Hills restaurant Spago. As always, Wolfgang is catering this Sunday's Governor's Ball, which takes place right after the Academy Awards. I've got Wolfgang Puck on the line right now in Los Angeles. Good morning. How are you doing, Wolfgang? Nice talking to you. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much. I was just in Las Vegas. We love you here. It's amazing, isn't it, really, that Las Vegas has now become known just as much for its food, I think, as the entertainment. Absolutely. And do you know that we were the first restaurant, Spago was the first restaurant which had, you know, which was known nationally and which was famous already when it came to Las Vegas in 92 at the Forum. Now we just moved to the Bellagio Hotel in the most amazing space over the lagoon. I do remember, in fact, you guys opening at, at the Forum Shops inside of Caesars. It was, it was a great, great night. This is your 25th consecutive year, I believe, as chef at the Governor's Ball at the Oscars? Yeah, this is our 25th year. And, you know, we are doing it for 20 uh, years or so already on Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood and Highland in the big complex. There, before that, we did it downtown at the shrine at the music center and we used to build a kitchen outside in the parking lot and now we are so organized we have two great kitchens and i have 200 chefs working with me so it's going to be an amazing event and i know we're going to have great food all night long how soon do you start working on this before the oscars well we start working about one month before the oscars really to get all of our staff together, you know, because we don't have a permanent staff uh, in our catering kitchen of 200 chefs and so forth. So we bring in chefs from all over the world, actually. I have chefs coming in from Vienna in Austria. I have chefs coming in from Istanbul in Turkey. I have chefs coming in from uh, our restaurant Cut in New York. I have chefs coming in from uh, Washington, D.C. or from Dallas. So. We have so many different restaurants around the world where I have the chefs come. And then we have a cooking school from here. They send us like 50 students so that way they can do all the handiwork, whatever is easy to do. And I think so far, you know, we are so well organized. And we actually cook just like in a restaurant. We cook everything in the last moment. Is the Governor's Ball your biggest event of the year? Because it sure sounds like it. It's our most important event for sure. You know, there's nothing like it. There's nothing uh, where people talk all over the world about it, about the Oscars. And I was in Uruguay, in Punta del Este, which is a beautiful beach town in Uruguay. And I was walking in the, on the beach, and then Two women came over and started, oh, my God, that's the chef who cooks at the Oscar. They started yelling, and the <laughs> next thing is, like, I had, like, 
50 people around me all wanting to take pictures. And I said, how you know that? They said, we watch TV. <laughs> well, I suppose a lot of that exposure comes from the Home Shopping Network, right? Well, I do HSN now also for 20 years already. And Home Shopping was always a great place for me. And a lot of people watch it too. It's true. Uh, because, you know, consistency is really an important part. And, uh, you know, HSN, I'm going to do the next next thing in April again. I was just there end of January. So that's really a lot of fun and uh, an interesting venue to, to do. What is the one tool that we should all have in our kitchen? And, I, and I'm afraid that you might say the air fryer, because that seems to be a huge thing right now. You know what? It's actually if you have an appliance. The air fryer, not just mine, the other ones out there too, but you can get mine at HSN. Why is it so good? Because you can do anything. Let's say you buy your French fries or your sweet potato fries in the store, in the freezer, you can fry them. If you want to make just a simple baked potato, you can put them in there. If you want to make chicken wings, you can put them in. Or if you want to cook a whole roasted chicken, you could cook it in the air fryer. It's really a very good oven. It's like a good, strong convection oven. You have cooked for so many celebrities with all these different events. Who is your favorite celebrity to cook for? Is that possible to answer that? I think it's almost impossible uh, yeah. uh, to answer. <laughs> like, uh, I think, uh, you know, there are so many from the old style. You know, I was friends uh, with uh, Gene Kelly. I used to play tennis. When he used to come to the restaurant, we used to sit down and uh, talk about the uh, the movies about food, about France, when he did American in Paris, and so forth. Or lately, like on Wednesday, we're going to do uh, Sidney Poitier's birthday. You know, he's getting up there, too. So, wow. And he's the, god, he's the godfather of our children. So there is always some friends. And obviously, the newer one, which we love, too. You know, I love John Legend, for example. He loves great food. Ryan Seacrest. Uh, we used to do tasting menus always, and when Brad Pitt comes to the restaurant, he loves our Wagyu steak. So most of the people we know really well, and if Ellen DeGeneres comes, you know, we make your vegan food. So we know what they like, so I don't really have preferences, you know, as long as they are nice and love food, I'm happy. The night of the Oscars, right about at the point where they're doing best director, best picture, is that does that get pretty frantic then in your kitchens? It gets very frantic. All of a sudden, you have all these people lining up, the waiters lining up, and getting ready to take the food out because you have fifteen or sixteen hundred people who are invited to come to the dinner. You have to get invited. You just cannot just come, and they all are hungry. Most of them didn't eat all day long, so we are really ready. You know, with the appetizer, we passed orders. We have a big sushi bar, raw seafood bar, and then when people come into the dining room, they can have a baked potato with kavoya, or they can have like a sanchok soup with fennel and uh, parmesan crisp, or they can have uh, some black pass uh, with artichokes, or they can have uh, the <laughs> Miyazaki beef, and you go on and on and on. We make like 30 different dishes, all in small on small plates, so people can taste different things. So it's really in a way, informal, but great food. And what do you do with the leftovers? Because I'm sure there are, there's quite a bit. Yeah. Well, with the leftovers, we all pack it up, bring it downtown to Project Angel, Angel Food and Chefs for Hunger. So we always feed the, the people, the homeless people downtown with all our leftovers. So we have a truck waiting at 2 in the morning, 
And that's when we start packing up everything. And so by 6 in the morning, we are downtown and uh, in the soup kitchen, and they just put it in the oven and serve the less fortunate. I know that you had kind of a challenging life as a kid, leaving home at 14 to get away from yeah. your, your stepfather. Do you think that that kind of beginning kind of gives you the drive to, to be somebody and be successful and ambitious? You know what? Maybe part of it is that, because my stepfather always told me I was good for nothing and so forth. So and I left home when I was 14, and I told him when I went to France, I said, I'm never coming home until I have a Mercedes and I'm going to drive it right through the door into the living room. <laughs> you know, I think when we are young, we are a little bit more rebellious. Like I see it with my 13-year-old. You know, he gets pretty rebellious too. You know, it reminds me too of uh, the Who lead singer, Roger Daltrey, who had a similar experience. I think a teacher told him he was never going to amount to anything. And, and he said that that's what kind of made him want to prove himself. Yeah, I think, I think it is. It's maybe a little bit that, you know, but, you know, my stepfather was not a nice guy and he treated me really badly. So yeah. I do the opposite with my kids. Hopefully they amount to something too sooner or later. Well, you've done so much all over the world and, and done a lot to help people. We appreciate that, especially here in Las Vegas. The big event coming up, you know, for the Lugubo Alzheimer Center downtown. So we do always the big uh, uh, benefit in March. Yes, and you'll be feeding Hollywood uh, this Sunday at the Oscars, the annual Governor's Ball. Wolfgang, I appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. I appreciate your time. Good luck with that. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. All right, bye-bye. My next guest is one of my favorites, wonderful film reviewer, Gray Drake. And we're both going to give our Oscar picks. And as always, she'll tell me why I'm wrong. Let's welcome Gray Drake to The Fake Show. Jim, how's it going? Nice to talk to you again. We missed you here in Las Vegas. Yes, it's good to be back. Listen, this is when what a fun Oscar season this has been, right? Yeah, it's been amazing, really. I think the last time we talked, it was around this time, and, and it was a good year uh, last year, but it's really been fantastic, hasn't it? There's been so much to see. So much to see and so little direction as far as who's actually going to win. You know, we usually... You kind of know, and you can sort of look at all the winners, and you know what's going to win, and you just say the same names over and over again. And this year, I have completely different sets of predictions based on different winners and different upsets. And that's, that hasn't happened actually as long as I've been doing this. I've seen just about everything that's been nominated except for Roma because I hate subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, here's how you solve that problem. Just yeah. go and learn Spanish real quick. It's fine. <laughs> and a lot of people are saying this is a favorite, isn't it, to win Best Picture? It is It is one of the favorites. The Roma has won a couple of big awards, including the BAFTA Award, and it is duking it out step-by-step step with Green Book, which also won the Producers Guild Award. And so those are the two. It's either or, but every time that you have a situation like that, there's room for another film to just sneak in. Yeah, it's kind of like an election, isn't it? The the two cancel the each other out. What that's did exactly. you exactly? And so part of me is hoping that the movie that sneaks in is Black Panther, and it could even be Bohemian Rhapsody. What did you personally think about Roma? Roma is a beautiful movie. It's so beautiful, but it's definitely not for everybody because it's very quiet. It's very ponderous. It's 
a, it's just Alfonso Cuaron kind of looking back on a period of his childhood, right? And it's not sensational. There's nothing. You keep thinking that there's going to be something very big and very Hollywood happening, and there never is. So Roma is kind of an acquired taste. Like, like the film student in me really appreciated what I was seeing. But at the end of the day, I saw it once, and I'm good. I don't need to go back to it. Yeah, well, you know, you're more educated than I am, certainly, when it comes to film. And with that in mind... I think I'm one of the few who just did not like The Favorite. Oh, interesting. Why didn't you like The Favorite? I don't know. I just came away from that just thinking, I really just don't like this. Maybe my expectations were too high because everyone talked about how much they loved it, but I just didn't. Well, do you think that it was because The Favorite is about girls being gossipy and stabbing each other in the back? Normally, <laughs> normally I love that. I I embrace that. Okay. But. <laughs> yeah, because listen, that's why that's why I adored it. I thought that it was so like snippy and mean and manipulative. It was kind of it was like dangerous liaisons, but with more rabbit. <laughs> I like that a lot. I'm kind of having a hard time picking best picture between for me a Green Book or Black Klansman. And so, as far as I'm concerned, I would split the difference and give Green Book best picture and Spike Lee best director. Can you believe that Spike Lee has never been nominated? For best director. <laughs> no, I. You know, it's they started talking about that this year, and I and I couldn't believe that. And I think this is really a great film. But let's quickly go down the categories. I know we don't have that much time, but for best actress, it's a pretty stiff uh, competition, isn't it? No, it isn't. How dare you say that? Because Glenn Close <laughs> is going to win finally. <laughs> Maybe Lady Gaga can pretty much do anything, and but I also think Melissa McCarthy is great in these recent dramas that she has done. Oh, she's so amazing. She's so smart to do that because she's been this talented all along. And it just, it's only because she's made comedies that people get tricked into thinking that she's a very simplistic performer and she's not at all. She's always been this good. Uh, this isn't her year though. I think that the, the only person that could take it away from Glenn Close would be Olivia Coleman for your favorite movie, The Favorite. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disappointed. Perhaps uh, even more difficult, best actor, uh, Rami Malek from Bohemian Rhapsody, Christian Bale Weiss, Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born, Viggo Mortensen, Green Book, and Willem Dafoe in Eternity's Gate. Pretty tough, isn't it? It is a really tough category. Uh, Willem Dafoe really needs to win an Oscar, but it's not his year either, unfortunately. I would say that you can go ahead and stop bothering yourself about Bradley Cooper winning anything because apparently A Star is Born is not going to win anything this season. You know, when I looked it up, the other versions of A Star is Born also did not win many Oscars or awards, and so this one is just consistent with history, so don't worry about him. But it's (laughs) it's really between Rami Malek and Christian Bale. Those two are the front runners, but I think I think Robbie Malik has the edge. I think so too because it was just such a wide-ranging type of performance. Not that Christian Bale's wasn't certainly, but okay, quickly, best supporting actress. Myself, I'm going with Regina King if Beale Street could talk. How about you? Yep, I'm with you 100%. She was wonderful and we love giving her awards because she's delightful. Have you interviewed her before? She's the best. Yes, yeah, she's so down to earth. She's so funny. She is one of those people that 
loves her job but doesn't take it so seriously that you can't even like look her directly in the eye like she's she's so lovely she i i love 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 her and i'm she, if beale street could talk was a beautiful underappreciated film and she was spectacular in it so awesome best supporting actor i'm picking mahershala ali for green book how about you he's definitely the front runner but i think the academy could also give the award to richard e grant for can you ever forgive me because he is he's so good in that movie and his whole his just completely unabashed enjoyment of award season has really charmed everyone and i think that some of the academy's younger voters will really like him where are you watching the oscars on sunday i'm i'm going to be here in hollywood and i have a fancy schmancy viewing party uh that is pajama friendly (laughs) (laughs) nice it's great drake always love talking to you gray i have to say the favorite really stunk that's how we'll end this (laughs) well you know what you're my favorite (laughs) best of luck to you and have fun at the party thank you have a good one you too There she goes, film critic Gray Drake. Thank you, and thanks to my earlier guest, chef of the Oscar stars, Mr. Wolfgang Puck. Thanks for listening to this special Oscars edition of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty, and I'll see you next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. 